This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is the 200th episode of ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also like us on, on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And as I said at the start of this, we are this is our 200th episode. Tiny, are you excited about that? Absolutely. Yeah, it's... it's We've come a long way. <laughs> two, two centuries. It's. I don't know. Yeah. T- sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Whatever. So this is the last. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, um, no. That. Uh. Yeah. It's a. It's a big milestone. It's exciting. And. Uh, yeah. So we're doing something kind of special this week. I guess. I guess special enough. Um, we're talking about our favorite TV shows ever, um, which we'll get to in a moment. Um. But first, I have some housekeeping and some feedback and stuff to to go over um, real quick in in a news segment here. Uh, So first of all, uh, you guys may have noticed that we've had a sponsor the last couple uh, months on the podcast, uh, Westworld FM. And now we have a new sponsor um, from the Midwest Podcast Network. And that new sponsor is Horror Movie Yearbook. Which, uh, just real quickly, Horror Movie Yearbook is a really fantastic podcast. It's uh, all about horror movies, but the, what they do is they take uh, each episode is dedicated to a specific year, and uh, each each episode is basically they take a few a few horror movies from that year and they talk about them and contextualize them with what was going on in that year. And it's really really interesting to listen to commentary about. Um, the horror, a horror movie and the horror genre in that context. It's, it really brings out some really interesting, uh, um, some really interesting discussion and, uh, thought provoking discussion. Uh, Tiny, have you listened to a horror movie? I haven't listened to it yet, but I like the concept. Yeah, it's really great. Um, and I highly recommend it, not just because they're, they're paying us. Um, seriously, it's one (laughs) of the podcasts that I have on rotation each week. Uh, so it's really good. Check it out. Uh, horror movie yearbook at horrormovieyearbook.com and on Twitter at HM at HM yearbook. Um, highly recommend checking it out. It is an awesome podcast. And then next up for news is, um, another kind of promotional thing. Um, these, this isn't a paid promotion at all. Um, I'm just really excited about it. Back in one of our episodes, a while ago, I talked about Buy the Rights, the movie pitching party game. Mm-hmm. Tiny, do you remember that? I do. Sweet. Uh, so what had happened was when we were guests on um, Tony Troxell's podcast, uh, like the next day, I got a tweet um, from the creator of this movie pitching party game. And it's it was funny because it wasn't anything about, about the game, about Buy the Rights. It was just he said that he liked listening to the podcast. And... Uh, like our guest spot on Tony's podcast. And so I looked at his profile and it was like he said, creator of by the rights, the movie pitching party game, which this is a game that's basically you have uh, four different cards that um, each one is like there's ones for a genre, ones for a descriptor of a character, ones for a type of character and one is for a plot that you choose from cards. So if you put them together, like for instance, you have like a rock opera, 
with a sassy taxi driver joining the witness protection program. And, uh, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, so after uh, Tommy had tweeted tweeted us about it or about the podcast, I went ahead and just pre-ordered it sight unseen because it sounded like a freaking blast. So anyway, those pre-orders finally got shipped and I finally received mine. And I think that what we're going to do probably in the future is we might do a fake movie game episode where we play the game. There's a little bit more rules to it and everything, but I just want to say that this game is actually available on Amazon and I'll put a link in the show notes of this episode for it. If you're listening to this podcast and you like this type of thing, I think that you'd really enjoy it. And you can, you can find that on Amazon. It's like 35 bucks, totally worth it. There's, like each each category of cards, there's like a ton of them. Like I was just I was just doing dry runs of it, um, just for fun, and uh, I like the combinations are really kind of limitless. Uh, and you can find it at buytherightsgame.com. Uh, so that was uh, something I wanted to promote here. And then next up, and I promise we're almost done here. <laughs> next up is I found a web series uh, that is currently on Indiegogo.com. It's going to be on the campaign for it is going to be. Uh, there, there's a, there's about a week or so left. It's going to be the end of this, the end of January is when it's going to end, but it's called Deep Six. It's a hard sci-fi web series with, uh, practical effects. And it's currently on Indiegogo.com. I actually went ahead and backed it, um, which kind of bonus. It's, uh, Canadian, Canadian based. So it's, so it's like the currency is Canadian dollars. And, uh, so like I think I, I backed it for like 12 bucks, but it ended up only being like 11. Um, hmm. American money. <laughs> but anyway, um, this sounds really intriguing. They have, uh, some cool perks and stuff, but I just want to kind of talk about, just mention a, a really briefly, uh, a plot description so you guys can check it out if you're, if you're interested in it. Deep Six is a science fiction drama exploring the effect of isolation, the harsh beauty of space, and the fog of war on an ensemble cast of astronauts and military officers. It will be a serial unfolding in nine sequential episodes set primarily in and around the operations of a base on a distant moon with the action split evenly between the base and the cockpit. Each episode of Deep Six takes our characters deeper into the unknown. Each story arc marches our 250 inhabitants towards war with an unknown and unseen alien assailant. Much of the story will center on efforts to restore communication with home and unfold the mysteries of the alien star system. Who is attacking? What do they want? How can we survive? Um... Yeah, so that is currently on Indiegogo.com. Um, they, they're putting a very big emphasis on the fact that they're doing, um, practical effects and it's like they have a bunch of like production videos and production images and stuff and it's going to be very scientifically accurate and, uh, they have a really cool, uh, like scientific advisor on, on the project too. So everything, it, it looks really cool. Um, I actually backed it for $15, but it ended up being $12, about $12 for, um, American money. But, uh, <laughs> like 15 bucks gets you a digital download of the whole series or whole season and 30 bucks is getting it on DVD. So there, there's some cool perks, but anyway, just wanted to promote that cause they, uh, seem really cool and, uh, hopefully it's going to be a good project. Um, yeah. And then, to wrap up our news and housekeeping and feedback and half-assed stuff here, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the new Power Rangers trailer came out, Tiny. Yeah, it did. I've been saying a lot. What did you think of the Power Rangers trailer? <laughs> I, I really dug it. I think nice. it um, it reminded it, it had it had kind of like a Michael Bayish thing to it. Sure. I think a little bit, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Mm -hmm. But I, I think about like the first Transformers movie, yeah. which I still think is a pretty decent movie. Um, and so maybe it'll. 
maybe it will achieve that level of quality. I don't know. We'll see. Right. Um, I, I just think it was cool. I, I was hit with waves of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, it was effective. I liked it. Me too. And it's weird because the first trailer that I, the first original trailer that came out, I, uh, I was kind of lukewarm on it because, and I think I, uh, I think we had a conversation with Mike. I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but basically, um, when, when I saw the trailer, like, like his, his point of view is that, okay, well, this is not for us. Like we grew up watching Power Rangers. This movie is not made for us. It's not made for our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we'll have to make peace with. Um, but the thing that bothered me about the original trailer was that it had an emphasis on, or like the characters actually became like Power Rangers. Like they, they, they overnight got these abilities and stuff where my memory of the original, of the original is that they, you know, they were martial arts enthusiasts. And, um, that's something that I think was, I'm fearful is lost in, in this, uh, update. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Again, it's not for us, but this new trailer, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Or it looks like it's going to be pretty fun. I'm kind of weirdly optimistic for it. And um, I, I love that they got Brian Cranston. Yeah. Um, which kind of brings it full circle a little bit because he voiced a lot of the... Um, I think he voiced a lot of the uh, villain characters in in the original Power Rangers right. series. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. And uh, the character of Billy Cranston was actually named after him. Um, he played the blue <laughs> ranger. Yeah. Nice. Very, very fun. But anyway, so we posted this on the Facebook group, which again, you can find the link to that at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. And I asked, uh, what does everyone think of the new power Rangers trailer? And Matt and Draco said, I am torn. That's really all I can say. <laughs> and, uh, Tony Troxell said, it looks more interesting than the first positive buzz around the office from the local geeks. Uh, and you can find him at Indiana geeking. Um, and Justin said, I agree, man. It could be utterly terrible, but I'm going to go see it anyway for cheesy dialogue, martial arts, and robots fighting monsters. <laughs> that being said, I think it has the pot- potential to be a good movie for the right audience. And then he and Matt had a, uh, Matt and Draco had a little conversation, which is one of the things that I really like about having the Facebook group, um, because people, listeners can interact with each other. We bring people together. We do. We really do. Winning hearts and minds. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so enough enough of all this. <laughs> We're ready for our main topic, I think. Yep. Um, so this week, since it is it, wow, since it is our 200th episode, and I can't believe I also forgot to add this to the docket for news and, and housekeeping, but I'll I'll transition cleanly into it. Uh, since it's our 200th episode, we are kind of dedicating it to talking about our favorite TV shows, and. When we say favorite TV shows, like Tiny and I, like we, we've consumed a lot of media together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we share a lot of common, um, favorites. Yeah. And everything. So I'm sure we're going to have a lot of overlap and we'll, we'll figure out how to, uh, how to address that. We may just double up on them and then just go through that, but, mm-hmm. um, and save maybe the different ones for the end of it. Um, so anyway, but first I want to just say that our friends over at the Nerds You're Looking For podcast, they did something similar. They, uh, had a, had a several, uh, I think, uh, several part episodes, um, dedicated to talking about their favorite TV shows. So you can go check that out at thenerdspodcast.com. And I was also actually a guest on the podcast this week, uh, talking about, uh, my top 10 list, uh, that we talked about a couple weeks ago here on the podcast. So check that out, thenerdspodcast.com. And so, the format of our favorite TV shows, Tiny, 
Um, the way that we're doing this is we have, we each have five shows that we've chosen as our favorite shows and to kind of generate some interesting conversation out of this, cause we are going to have a lot of overlap. We're kind of, we're going to be discussing them in the criteria of three different episodes. So we have our, these, these are a list of our favorite shows. So each show is going to contain what we think is the best, sh- the best episode of that show the worst episode of that show and a third episode that is like the representative episode. This is the episode that we think kind of encompasses what the show is all about. Like what is the best show that is uh, the best episode that kind of represents what, what the show is like as a whole essentially. Um, and as we said before, we do have some overlap. So, okay. So it turns out we actually only have two uh, shows that are overlapping. Um, and we're not going to go in order of like best to worst or like our most favorite to least most favorite or anything. We're just going to kind of knock out the shows that um, let's go with the shows we differ on. And then we'll, we'll talk about the shows that we agree on or the shows that we have at the end of it. So that way, okay. Cause I think we'll get like, by my account, those are like the shows that are like the shows Yeah. <laughs> for me. Gotcha. Okay, so in no particular order, um, Tiny, do you want to k- kick us off with one of yours, or should I go with mine? Um, I can go first if you want. Okay, sure. <clears throat> go right ahead. What is your first in no particular order order favorite show? Uh, first for me is Doctor Who. Nice. Doctor Who, yeah. Um, I've talked about the show before on the podcast. Um, one of my favorite shows, I got into it recently, and uh, within the past, oh, I guess not that recently, about four years ago, yeah. I really got into I would into, say even more than four years. Yeah. Something like that. Five or six. Um, so, but I've only watched the, the latest version of Doctor Who when it's kind of rebooted in 2005 with Christopher Eccleston, um, the ninth doctor. So that's, that's kind of when I got into it. I haven't really watched the previous seasons. So I, I think whenever you talk about the show, you have to give that caveat. Mm-hmm. Um, people, I think, I think you can break the show into those two separate categories and it kind of, kind of breaks it down and, and gives you a starting point. So that's the position I'm coming from with Doctor Who. So it's, it's Doctor Who with an addendum. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think, I think the best episode, at least in my book, um, it's, it's broken up into two episodes, but it's the impossible planet and the Satan pit, which, oh, nice. um, yeah, that's, uh, the second season with, uh, David Tennant as the 10th doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, in the episode, uh, what what I love about it is I'm I'm always I always really love the episodes where the doc where the TARDIS is in jeopardy mm-hmm. because the TARDIS is it's it's the Doctor's line to everything like it's without the TARDIS he's not the Doctor he can't travel through time without the TARDIS he can't communicate without the TARDIS mm-hmm. the TARDIS is a linchpin of the series if you will it's it's almost the main character and so. In the impossible planet in the Satan pit, uh, the TARDIS has like fallen into a, a pit basically and he can't get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's always so distressing to me because, you know, if he loses the TARDIS, that's the end of the series and that's it. And like, right. you know, and he can't, there's nothing else he can do. He's stuck wherever he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's an interesting sh- episode, couple of episodes because, um, the stakes aren't overly, high i mean obviously losing the tardis 
But like, there are several episodes in Doctor Who where he literally saves the universe, mm-hmm. like all of existence. He saves it. Um, so those like the stakes literally cannot get higher than that. Um, <laughs> but in this one, he basically all that's at risk is like a handful of people and like some aliens who are called the Ood. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not a lot of like like life at risk necessarily. I mean, it's only like a few people. Um, so it's it's just a really fascinating set of episodes in that respect. Um, and 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 another thing that makes me love the episode is that the doctor always, he usually just like finds this way at the end of an episode where he'll like, he'll combine logic <laughs> and science with his emotional response to it. Mm-hmm. And he does that at the end. Cause he's in, in the episode, he's confronting like the personification of evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, that's a very potent, very like classic good versus evil kind of scenario. But they make it their own because he just logic, the, logics the crap out of it, uh, <laughs> because he's angry. Um, and just because he's angry at the situation, he just logics it to death. It's, it's really, it's, it, I don't want to spoil it. It's, it's really cool. It's, it's a couple great, great episodes. Uh, the Ood end up being a very, integral part of the series mm-hmm. uh, and this is our introduction to them this this set of episodes and they're just horrible looking creatures <laughs> yeah. um they you can't like confuse it with a, a, an alien from another series or movie or whatever like the ood are doctor who mm-hmm. and uh it's it's just such a, a fascinating species of aliens so I, I like the ood as well um yeah it's just I, I think it's a really a really good just a really good set of of uh, episodes there there's i mean there's just a million to choose from mm-hmm. uh, in my book um gosh just about anything with david Tennant. um yeah i mean he right. i don't think he had any weak episodes really um so yeah I, I, those two kind of jumped out at me um there's some others i considered um the woman in the fireplace oh yes I think that's one of your favorites oh man i yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Totally. Um, and I mean, there's just so many others. Um, but that's one of the ones I considered as well. Uh, so that's my, my favorite of, of the season, of the series that I've watched. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst one for me is, I think it's the second episode of the ninth doctor. Um, so the new, okay. when it was, uh, when it was relaunched, it's called the unquiet dead. Mm-hmm. It's basically zombies in oh, Shakes- yeah. zombies in a Dickensian London, or actually it's Cardiff. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's all shot right. in Cardiff. Um, it's like a uh, zombie ghosts. Yeah. Zombie, yeah. zombie go- It ends up like the, there are these like ghost aliens that are mm-hmm. inhabiting people's body after they die. It was just a really weak episode. I don't mm-hmm. think the show really had established what it was now, like kind of the 21st century doctor. I don't think it had really established itself yet. And this was kind of like, I don't know if it was just ambitious or I feel like, um, the ninth doctor wasn't the right doctor for this story. Cause the ninth doctor was kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he just like, he, yeah. he really wasn't, he, of course he was empathetic and he was, mm-hmm. a, you know, he was a, a voice for good, but he, he was just kind of, he was kind of short with the, forces that he had to deal with and and just he had an interesting approach he did he had like a chip on his shoulder yeah and it was like kind of i don't remember if it was really uh communicated that in in the moment of it but he kind of 
he kind of became the the version of the doctor that kind of uh was i think it was like it was like he had the um the uh the time wars kind of fresh in his mind and right. i think that's what what his kind of whole arc was about yeah um yeah you're right yeah he he was uh he had like PTSD. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was, he was kind of messed up. Um, mm-hmm. and I loved that. I loved that version of the doctor. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy Christopher Eccleston's performance and portrayal. Um, but I just felt like that was just kind of a weak episode. I think, sure. I think it would have been more fascinating to see like, uh, the 10th doctor deal with that, mm-hmm. which I I'd, I'd see that about anything because uh, he's my favorite doctor. Sure. Um, <laughs> Me too. yeah. So I think that's kind of the, the weakest, um, the most representative, mm-hmm. um, I think I'll go with the parting of the ways. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which is the finale to the ninth doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like at this point in the, at the, at the end of the season, I feel like Russell Davies really found out, really had a voice for the character and really had a grip on what the show was and, and had like, you know, updated it for the 21st century. And, I say that because there's a lot of things going on in this episode. Um, it involves um, the Dalek Emperor, mm-hmm. uh, which is really imposing. Um, we had met the Daleks earlier in the season um, for the first time with the new series, obviously. Oh, that's such a great episode. It is. That's yeah. a really. I considered that one. Yeah. Uh, as as the uh, the most representative, mm-hmm. um, but I I think this one. I think the extra what really puts it over the top for me is what happens with Rose Tyler. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it demonstrated to me I, this, this like really burned into my mind. I remember watching it that the companions are not just companions. Mm-hmm. Um, they're integral to how the doctor operates. Yeah. You know, the doctor cannot just be by himself. He really needs someone there with him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he's, I think I think even calling the companions companions is a bit of a misnomer because they're sure. more like partners. Yeah. Um. It's and I think with this episode, it it's one of the best examples of that. Um. There there are several throughout the series that I've watched. Um. But I I really loved this one. I think Rose is probably my favorite companion so far. Mm-hmm. Um. And I just I just love what they did with her character in in this episode. Um. And the stakes are just incredibly high. Um, there's all these levels to it, literally, um, <laughs> to, to the final battle. It's really good. Uh, Captain Jack Harkness, who's a fan favorite, oh, yeah. is, is prevalent in this episode. Um, there's just so much going on and there's so much sacrifice occurring during this episode. Um, I just, I really love it. I think it, I think it taps into all of the, th- the themes and the ideals of the show. Um, so I think if, you know, if you have to pick the one episode that it exemplifies Dr. Who, I think the parting of the ways is a good example. Nice. That's a really good, that's a really good, uh, rundown for the, for those episodes. Yeah. Um, surprising, surprising amount of season one. On the yeah. Thing. A lot of yeah. season one. Yeah. Surprising. I, yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't watch any of these for this episode. Right. Uh, and they are all available on Amazon prime. Just okay. Throwing that out there. Nice. Um, and the Unquiet Dead is episode three, I think. Did you say episode two? 
Or did I miss it? I don't remember. I thought it was I thought it was David Tennant's second season, but it wasn't in the first season. No, it's in it's in the first season. Okay, Doesn't shoot. Quite okay, that's yeah. a mistake on my part. Yeah. Um anyway, uh yeah, you know, in in Doctor Who didn't make my didn't make my list, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um it's I mean, that's a show that I need to go back and, and watch again. Um, because it's been way too long and it is like just going through the episode list, like man this show yeah it is it is beautiful it is um but even though it wasn't and i'm not going to do this for everyone but i just want to throw out a couple that i would i would choose if you don't mind yeah sure um no i won't do like best worst or representative although the best like representation of what the show is i think would be blink season three episode 10 oh that's a great one. Oh, it's so great one of the best oh question. yeah it's yeah. got a carrie mulligan the plot description is sally sparrow receives a cryptic message from the doctor about a mysterious new enemy species that is after the tardis is the introduction of uh the weeping angels uh-huh. and it's it is a great like introduction to a concept for and uh, for like an enemy in the show. Yeah. And it's also just a really great representation of what the show yeah. is with a surprising amount of not having the doctor in it. Yeah. And um, it's it's scary. Yeah. Oh, it's terrifying. It's oh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny cuz it has all the different it's scary, but it's also really funny. Funny. That's the genesis genesis of the wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Also, so, which is just so funny, and it's turned into a <laughs> meme, basically. Right. So yeah, that's that is a really good episode too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I also really liked Midnight, which is season four, episode ten, um, with the Doctor stuck on a train, or yep. uh, sort of sort of train, right. future train. Yep. Um, with a monster outside. It's oh god, such a great show. It's yep. available on Amazon Prime. Highly recommend checking it out if you haven't given it a shot yet. And my first favorite TV show um, that I'm going to bring up next. Were you Were you done with? Yeah, I'm Dark? done with Doctor Who. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, all right. So my first one is this one is the okay. So the show is The Simpsons. Nice. Yeah, and like I've been I've been watching it in my free time for se- the last several several months. Yeah. Um. And it's just like it's I watch it while I go to sleep and watch it just randomly whenever I have free time and I'm bored. Um, yeah. And it is a show that has been on the air for so long. Um, it is so so in being a show that's been on, on the air for so long, it's a hard show to characterize under the under these these guidelines, this criteria. So, and, uh, and like, I'm already having second guesses about my best episode because there's so many episodes that I love so dearly. Um, this is a show that I watched growing up. We watched reruns of it every day after school, like, like kind of before and after dinner sort of. Um, and it was just, it was a part of my childhood growing up is just the Simpsons. That was just one of the things that we watched, uh, while I was growing up. And it's just, it's always stayed with me. And I love that I've been kind of reconnecting with it. And, uh, even like people say like it has a golden age. It has the first 10, 11 seasons are like the, the golden era of the Simpsons. Then after that, it kind of trails off. And there are some pretty terrible episodes. And, yeah. um, I won't pretend that I've seen every single episode because I haven't. I haven't watched them all in sequential order or in – I haven't watched them all in chronological order. I haven't watched – I don't – I haven't seen all the episodes. But um, what uh, I have 
what I've done with my list here is I've, I've kind of categorized it as best I could. So the best episode of The Simpsons, by my count, and this is something that changes every day, I'm sure, so... Um, I like I I didn't even have I didn't even make like honorable mentions for it because I knew that I it would we'd be here all day. <laughs> um the best episode for me is season 8 episode 2 which is you only move twice. <laughs> which this episode is so wonderful because it is the plot description of it is Homer takes a new job in a new town however his friendly new boss might be a supervillain bent on world domination <laughs> and uh tiny you growing like you weren't a big simpsons fan i don't your parents didn't let you watch it they didn't want us to but i still did gotcha i okay. only i only i've only watched it in syndication okay gotcha mm-hmm. um do you remember this episode at all i don't okay no. albert brooks voices uh hank scorpio <laughs> and it is this episode is so, so freaking amazing because Homer, he's, he's in this job and it's like the scenes between him and Hank Scorpio are so beautiful because Homer is this dimwitted guy who doesn't know what's going on or he's, he's very, uh, he's Homer Simpson. So like there are little things happening around, around him in the Hank Scorpio scenes that are like clearly like Bond villain stuff. And we see it through the perspective of Homer, who's just this kind of bumbling oaf who's kind of just doing his job. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it's amazing because it's like you see, while also, while it is, while it is, uh, a good representation of what Homer is as a character, you also see kind of another side of Homer that he is for the, probably the first time he's put in kind of a supervisor position in a job. So he is, he's working above these, these technicians or, or what have you. And there he's like, he's working them. He's, he's in charge of them. And it's just, it's really amazing to see this kind of dynamic play out with this character in the show. And uh, again, the scenes with Hank Scorpio, one of the scenes that, that kills me every time is that, uh, Albert Brooks, which Albert Brooks, his voice, I mean, he's perfect. Um, he, he plays up Hank Scorpio as this incredibly friendly, friendly guy, but very kind of fast talking and very, uh, like fun boss kind of character. And so, <laughs> uh, Homer walks into Hank's office, which is like a super villain lair. <laughs> um like he is at a control panel it's like in like a volcano kind of thing there are like henchmen running around <laughs> and and uh homer walks up to him and he like the conversation goes something like uh uh hank says what what can i do for you and then he's like well i didn't have any uh well i got some coffee but i didn't have any sugar or there were no there was no sugar so <laughs> in the most bizarre scene uh hank scorpio takes sugar out of his pockets <laughs> like just not packaged or anything just out of his pockets and he hands it to homer and then he's like oh sorry it's not in packets and then and, and then one of my favorite my favorite line is hank looks at homer and he says do you want some cream and then homer just homer does a does a 
Um, no. <laughs> because if he took the sugar out of his pockets, where is he going to get the cream? It's just like, oh, God, I just love it so much. So That's brilliant. It is It is a brilliant, brilliant episode. And it does, it does have a ton of, like, nice, uh, fun Bond references. It's just, it's a really fun episode. And it is, um, it's interesting that I kind of chose this as my favorite episode because it is, uh... Um, I'll get to the most like representative one, uh, the most like the most Simpsons Simpsons episode that I could think of. But this episode is very much like not indicative of what the show is. It's uh, the Simpsons are in a new town with with interacting with new characters, um, and it kind of relies on what you know about the Simpsons and everything, um, because like <laughs> Bart uh is put in a class he ends up put being put in a like remedial class because he doesn't understand cursive um because because springfield schools didn't teach him that or anything um but it's uh it's it's a really great episode season eight episode two uh, uh you only move twice it's really fantastic so yeah um in uh, a couple honorable mentions homer's enemy uh, is amazing. It's the one with Frank Grimes and also, uh, Lemon of Troy, uh, which is one of my favorite episodes because it's about Bart and his friends going over into Shelbyville to steal back the town's lemon tree because the Shelbyville kids stole it. Hmm. It's like those types of episodes that in summer of four foot two, where Lisa kind of reinvents herself when they go to, uh, they go on vacation to, uh, the Flanders beach house. I remember that one. Yeah. Oh God, I love that episode. Yeah. Um, I, I remember thinking that at the end of the episode where, um, Lisa finds out, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> Lisa finds out that all of her new friends, uh, have signed her yearbook. Um, I remember laughing so hard at the, at the joke where she sees Millhouse's or Millhouse, their Millhouse went with them on vacation and he says like, Oh, look at, look at my signature. <laughs> and she looks at his signature and says, and it says, see you in the car, <laughs> Millhouse. <laughs> I remember thinking that was the funniest thing I've ever seen, <laughs> which is not surprising given my sense of humor now yeah. and how amazing it is. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I love that episode too. And I, what I love about those two episodes, really the lemon of Troy episode one in particular is that it's a really cool, like kids being kids episode. I, I just, I like that, that the, that Bart and his, his group of friends there, they, they become their kids in the episodes. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's an episode that isn't, uh, it kind of doesn't adhere to like, uh, animated sitcom genre, really. It just, it has kids doing kid things. Anyway, um, the worst episode, um, the worst episode I could find. So worst with an asterisk, um, season 26, episode nine. I've only seen it a couple of times because it randomly popped up when I, I use the Simpsons world app on the uh, on the FX now app to watch stuff, to watch these episodes. Um, it's called, I won't be home for Christmas. And in the episode Homer, uh, it's like Christmas Eve. Homer goes to Moe's and he, he has a drink, but Moe confides in him that he's really lonely and Homer, uh, comes home late on Christmas Eve and he upsets the entire family and he tries to convince them that it's because he was helping out Mo or, or help making Mo feel better. And so the whole episode, it, 
it's a really like the first time I watched it was fairly recently, like the last couple uh, within the last couple months. It's probably around Christmas time. I think that's why it was popping up on FX now so much because it was Christmas time. Um, I had to check like three or four times throughout this 22 minute episode to make sure that this wasn't like some like one off like holiday, like short special scene or something that they did because it did not feel like a full well-rounded Simpsons episode. Um, even down to like the music, like there was hardly any score or music or Simpsons esque music in it. It was just very flat and none of the humor landed with me and it just felt just really, really effortless and it was kind of a bummer. Um, so yeah, that's, Season 26, episode 9. I won't be home for Christmas, and I won't be watching that episode anymore. <laughs> um, not, who knows? Um, anyway. And then, finally, the episode that is the most Simpsons episode for me. The, sh- the episode that really um, represents what the show is. Uh, it would be season 7, episode 21. It's uh, 22 short films about Springfield. Tiny, have you seen this episode? I don't know. Okay. This episode is sheer brilliance. <laughs> um, <laughs> or should I say sheer brilliance? Because Harry, Harry Shearer. Yeah. yeah you're anyway. Clever. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, um, the episode starts with, with Bart and Millhouse uh, spitting on cars over an overpass. And I think they're, they're, uh, squeezing mustard on the cars. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so Bart just says like, I bet they're like, do you ever wonder what other people in this town are doing or, or what kind of stories they're, they have or whatever. So the entire episode is 22 short films about Springfieldians, like the Springfield huh. characters in that. That's kind of why I picked it as the, the representative episode because this episode in one fell swoop just shows like what the depth of the town of Springfield and how, how really incredibly well realized so many facets of the town are like the, this, the town of Springfield is, is just a really a bustling um, setting for uh, with, with very rich characters that can sustain themselves for granted a minute or two at a time. But there's like there are like these these little vignettes that play with these characters in them they could be expanded into maybe not full episodes but full b plots at least hmm. and it's really uh it's really uh entertaining and really uh fun to watch because it's it's not a simpsons centric episode although some of the simpsons have like their own little short segments in it and everything but uh, one of the one of the other reasons I picked this was that um, I didn't realize this until like like recently, but this episode was my introduction introduction to uh, Pulp Fiction essentially. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, this episode has tons of references to Pulp Fiction because it's a similar nonlinear format storytelling. Yeah. Um, and it like there is a whole segment where um where Snake the kind of cr- criminal. Um, <laughs> like they do the whole Bruce Willis and Marcellus Wallace car accident scene <laughs> in, in, into Zed's shop thing. Um, but they do that in with Chief Wiggum and Snake and going into, uh, uh, oh, I can't, remember, uh, Herman's, uh, 
military store. Um, it's just, it's, or army surplus store, but um, it's, it's really amazing. And then they have a freaking great scene where the, where the cops are sitting at Krusty Burger and then um, Lou says, uh, uh, you know, I went to the, I went to the McDonald's in Shelbyville. Um, last night it's like McDonald's. What's what's that? It's like yeah, I never heard of it either. It must have sprung up overnight. And then it's like you know, it's the little things. Like they don't call it a crusty burger with cheese. They call it a quarter pounder with cheese. <laughs> That's great. It's so brilliant. Then like Chief Wiggum even says like, do they have? Do they? Ha- oh, I'm gonna mess this up, and I'm sorry. Um, do they have Krusty's partially gelatinated uh gum based beverages? And then <laughs> Lou's just like, yep. They call them shakes. <laughs> and then the other cop is just like, huh, don't know what you're getting. <laughs> it's just, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. That's funny. Yeah. And, uh, and I can go on and on about it, but it is, it is a really great episode to kind of introduce you to the world of the Simpsons and in the, the breadth of the, of the world that the Springfield is. Um, and another highlight of it is there's a great, um, uh, sequence with, uh, Reverend Lovejoy walking his dog on Flanders' lawn <laughs> and encouraging the dog to take a shit on his lawn. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. Nice. So yeah, so that's The Simpsons. Um, every episode ever is on uh, the FX Now app. I use my mom's login information because I don't subscribe to FX. I don't have a basic <laughs> cable package. But um, yeah, it is on FX Now on the Simpsons World section of that app. And Tiny, yeah, what is your next TV show? My next show is The West Wing. Oh, nice. One of my favorite shows of all time. Nice. Um, the West Wing is, just to throw this out there, you kind of need to be a politically minded person to really, I mm-hmm. think, really appreciate The West Wing and like kind of grow to love it. Um, our friend Greg Lenz, mm-hmm. who does not share a lot of the political leanings that are expressed on this show, still absolutely loves it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't really align with the show politically, but he absolutely, it's, it's like probably his favorite show. Um, so I think it's a, it's a relatively diverse show in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it, it does a good job, uh, in that way. But, you know, I, th- I think it's just, it's, it's, it was such an ambi- ambitious show, even for the time when, uh, when, you know, network dramas were still, still kind of the, the, the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. If you will, um, a lot of people refer to it as the last great network show. Um, and I, I just, I think it was just so ambitious because you're talking about, you're talking about a show that wants to explore what the most powerful man in the world does. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, it's, it's an incredible environment for storytelling, of course, but it's, it's just really ambitious. That's mm-hmm. hard. That's hard to do. Um, and, and I think the show, did it for seven seasons really well. Um, my favorite episode, I think the best is actually from the first season. Um, I kind of go early with a lot of these shows. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's just because they're the, the first seasons are simpler. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's a simpler time. It's easier. Things are boiled down. And so my favorite is, uh, five votes down, which is only the fourth episode of the series. Oh yeah. Um, what I really love about it is that, it exposes the way I put it, uh, the analogy I like to use is that it exposes the cogs of the democracy machine. Um, because you get to see how they're trying to pass a bill mm-hmm. and, and that's a very, you know, that's like one of the basest things that a government does is legislate, pass laws. And 
the this bill is sponsored by the president and so like it's really important to them and it's it's a gun control bill and you know they're voting the next day and they find out that they're they need five more votes in order to get the bill passed mm-hmm. and so it just it, it create it means everyone in the white house has to stay late has to work overtime to reach out to the right representatives to get this bill passed and and try to sw- try to swing votes Try to swing mm-hmm. votes, and that's you're literally trying to win hearts and minds in 24 hours, and that's just that's I can't even imagine trying to do that. Being an articulate enough human being to influence a politician to vote a certain way, like that's just really that boggles my mind, and and to see it on on display in this episode just really blows me away. I, I love to see the way the way Josh Lyman. Josh Lyman's things, uh, <laughs> the way he deputy chief of staffs it, mm-hmm. um, and also it, it it demonstrates the toll that this takes on people's personal lives. Mm-hmm. Um, in this episode, Leo, who is the president's chief of staff, um, misses his anniversary with his wife. That's right. Um, and and it it results in you know a different life for Leo McGarry, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's sad to watch, but it's probably a obviously it's a reality of being legislators and, and, and being, you know, working with the most powerful man in the world and, and passing the laws of the United States of America means you don't have much of a personal life. And mm-hmm. it's, it's sad to see that, but it's just incredible to witness the dedication of those, those people. Um, what else? Oh, one of the funniest moments of the whole series <laughs> I just I'll, I'll I don't want to spoil it, but all I'll say is the president accidentally gets stoned. It's oh, hilarious. Yeah. He yeah he accidentally <laughs> takes two pills instead of one. Oh, that's right. It's so so funny. It's it's just <laughs> great. I, I I like I fell in love with President Bartlett in that episode. Nice. And it's only the fourth episode out of 155. Mm-hmm. So, um, that I I love that moment. It's one of my favorite comedy moments. Um, my favorite is the butterball turkey hotline scene. That is my favorite. I shared it uh, to my Facebook page. I share it every Thanksgiving to my Facebook page. Nice. Um, it's awesome. It's so goddamn funny. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's the best in my book. Mm -hmm. The worst is, um, it's called Gaza. It's from, uh, it's the 20th episode, I think in the fifth season. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. At that point in the show's, the show's history, if you will, um, um, Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin, Jesus. <laughs> uh, he is Jesus. Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> Aaron Sorkin was not writing for the show. He wasn't running the show at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the show really lost its way for the most part. I don't think there are any like really bad episodes, mm-hmm. but there are just, there are some weak episodes and most of them are in like the fourth and fifth seasons the sixth as well um i think the show just kind of lost its way a lot of the characters were going off on weird forks for their character arcs that didn't make a lot of sense um this is a really compelling episode i mean there's there's really extreme events that occur um but it's you know it's it was the the fifth season towards the end of the fifth season and every single person watching the show was like Okay, Josh Lyman and his assistant need to get together already. They've been dancing around right. each other for a hundred episodes. Let's get the show on the road here. Mm-hmm. And they just kept, they just put kick the can down the road for another mm-hmm. season. And it was just, that was like the most frustrating thing to me about the episode. Um, 
it's like I said, extreme extreme situations occur, and that's really compelling mm-hmm. in this episode. I'm trying to try not to spoil it. Sure. Um, but I just I feel like the characters were just not where they were supposed to be at, at this point in the show. So I think that's one of the worst episodes. Okay. Um, and then the most representative, I, again, I went early here. Uh, first season, uh, I think it's towards the end of the first season. It's called Take This Sabbath Day. Um, I, I feel like it's, it's just a good microcosm for, um, sacrifice, I think. Okay. It, it, yeah, it exemplifies the sacrifice of being a, politician or a public servant and i feel like you know i don't want to get political but i feel like a lot of politicians don't sacrifice the way they should or don't sacrifice the way they used to i guess Mm -hmm. um you know i feel like as a representative you need to it's not about your opinions it's about or what you believe it's about what's right for the country or it's about what falls into the falls within the realm of the constitution that's that's what a legislator and a representative should be focused on. And in this episode, there is a person who's on, who's on death row, who's going to be executed, executed by the federal government at midnight. Mm -hmm. And basically everyone is scrambling, trying to think of a way they can commute his sentence and not kill this guy. Cause most of the people, in this episode are against the death penalty. Okay. Um, and it kind of aligns with some of my feelings regarding that issue too. So it's, it's a very personal choice, but throughout the episode, president Bartlett, who he's the one who holds all the power. He can Mm -hmm. just, he can call up, he can call up the president and be like, Nope, he's free and just completely save this guy's life. And throughout the episode, he's just going around asking people their opinions. Okay. He, he's very, um, Socratic in that in that sense. He's just asking people, "What would you do, or how do you feel about this? What does this mean to you?" Everything's on the table, and I just—it's just such a refreshing opinion for a politician to have, and for for a, a lawmaker to have. That I just really—it just really speaks to me. This episode, um, and he manages to set aside his own beliefs and opinions, and makes a decision that I think makes sense. Um, it's, it's a really, really great episode. All the characters are really on point. Everyone is just, it's, it's very somber, but then there's this comedy thrown in throughout it. It's, uh, it's a really special episode and, uh, I think it's one of the best. Sweet. I have still only seen the first three seasons of that show. Okay. I really need to go back and, and watch it again, um, or watch it completely. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I was going to make a snide remark about <laughs> politics or whatever, but that's yeah. who cares. <laughs> I actually watched the the best and the most representative. I actually watched those because it's on oh, Netflix. Nice. It is, yeah. So I just pulled it up. I was like, I'm just going to watch these really quickly, and sure. and I'm glad I did. And I I almost was like, what if I watch this other episode too? And I was sure. like, no, 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 I can't get into West Wing right now. I just can't do it, right? Because I've I've seen the whole series twice. Nice, nice. Um, I would I would do it five times if I could. It's, it's fantastic. Sweet. Yep. Um, that's great. Awesome. Um, my next show is, this is a sitcom. It's, it's friends. Friends is my next show. Nice. Um, yes, this is a sitcom that I adore. Like this 
is a show that I've talked about before on the podcast. Me and Mike did a full three-hour retrospective episode a couple years ago. Yes, you did. Um, yes, that is OV88, if you want to listen to that. Nice. Um, we went season by season. We talked about our favorite episodes and everything. I didn't get a chance to re-listen to that before this recording, so I don't know if my favorite episode is necessarily the favorite episode that I talked about in that in that uh, podcast, but um, the show itself is something that I hold very dear and near and dear to my heart. This is a show that I watched ad nauseum throughout like high school. Yeah. Junior high and high school. I was all about this show. I would buy the DVDs the day they came out. I would spend, I would spend all of my free time (laughs) watching them. And, uh, it's, it's like, I gained an encyclopedic knowledge of this damn show. (laughs) Um, and it's, it's just, it's a show that I, I love so much. Um, and the best episode, my favorite episode of the show, um, in this, much like the Simpsons, it fluctuates. It goes, it goes back and forth to different episodes, uh, at different times. But my favorite for the purposes of this podcast is season four, episode 12, the one with the embryos, um, which is a phenomenal episode. In this episode, uh, Chandler and Joey, they bet, they bet Monica and Rachel that they, that they know more about the other pair of roommates. So they bet that they know more about Rachel and Monica than Rachel and Monica know about Joey and Chandler. So you have that as kind of the A story, sort of, um, and then you have Ross, who's kind of like he's kind of like the game show host. He's kind of the host of this of this weird like game show that they're doing. Um, <laughs> it's coming then, to me now. This oh episode, yeah. yeah, oh yeah. And uh, and then like kind of the B story of it and the titular storyline of it is that uh, Phoebe <laughs> Phoebe has been asked by her brother, played by Giovanni Ribisi, if she could be the surrogate for he and his and his wife's wife's kids. And so this is the episode where she uh gets her uh gets um pregnant. <laughs> inseminated. Inseminated. Wow, yeah. why can I not think of that word? It's still words. Um, word. Yeah. Sure. Um so <laughs> that's that's that that's that. Um but what I love about this show or what I love about this episode and one of the reasons why I think that it is my favorite episode is that it's it is a very fun showcase of all of the different characters. Um, this could almost be the representative episode for me as well, because you get to see how these characters interact with each other. You get to see them in a very fun, lighthearted situation. It's not, it's not, not that, not that, not that the relationship drama of Ross and Rachel or Chandler and Monica or any of the relationship scenarios not that it was ever cumbersome or burdensome on the show um but in this episode in particular you don't have any of that there's no like history there there's nothing that is really contingent on built-up storylines throughout arcs of seasons and everything this is just the characters interacting with with each other in ways that only they can interact with each other and it's showcasing what they know about each other and it it it's revealing it reveals very uh intimate and entertaining details about them, about their lives and their histories. Um, and it's just a really great showcase of what makes these characters tick and what makes these characters work so well in the show because they, 
if you look at it in broad terms, and I'm guilty of looking at it this way too in, in the past, like Friends is kind of, it's an ensemble sitcom where each character is kind of, they kind of fit a certain archetype. Like Joey's kind of the dumb mimbo guy. Uh, Phoebe's the really quirky, eccentric woman. Uh, Rachel's the naive kind of princess girl. Monica's the control freak. Chandler's the funny guy who uses funny uh, humor as a defense mechanism. Ross is the geek. It's they. Did I name everyone? Yeah. <laughs> and they all kind of fit a certain, a certain archetype, but it's the way that the characters are performed by the actors and the way that the characters come through. And, th- and this episode comes in the fourth season. So they've had, they've had four years to really hone the character dynamics and everything. And it's just, everything is, is firing on all cylinders in this episode. And it's just one of the best written episodes that I can think of for the show. And that's why it's one of my favorites. It's it's really spectacular. It's a great pick. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And uh, again, this is a show that I could have picked several different episodes. Um, like I went through, because it's all on Netflix also, I went through the Netflix listing and everything for episodes. And there was a, like, there was a day where I was like, okay, well, let me pick the best episode. And then I went to like, I think it was season six. And uh, I watched four episodes back to back, and they were all great episodes. Nice. And uh, it's it's really it's really remarkable. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so that's my favorite episode. Uh, my least favorite episode slash worst episode is one I didn't get a chance to revisit, but it's season ten, episode thirteen, the one where Joey speaks French. Yeah, that's not a good episode. It really isn't. It is such a shame too because. Friends is a show that, granted, I'm biased because I, I have such an affinity for the show. I, I love it dearly. And I would even say, like, well, you know, this is a show that never had a bad episode. But the one where Joey speaks French is a bad episode. I can't, I can't really talk my way around it at all. Um, in this episode, Joey, uh, <laughs> Joey has to prepare for an audition in which on his resume, he put that he can speak French. So, um, Phoebe decides to, uh, decides to teach him French or teach him his lines so that he can speak French in a convincing way. And that plot line is okay. That's, that's, that's a decent idea. The problem is that Joey, when I mentioned that Joey is kind of like the characters are all kind of, they fit into a certain type. um, I said that Joey is kind of the dim-witted mimbo and Phoebe is the quirky, eccentric girl. And it's like throughout the course of the series, it's like they slowly transition to where they were the opposite. Like they, Joey became the kind of really out there, off the wall, quirky, weird character and Phoebe became more normal. So in this episode, it's like she's trying to teach him how to speak the lines in French and he is just, he is speaking gibberish. And it's a weird thing where he believes he is speaking the words that she's saying, and it's not convincing as 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 comedy as writing. Yeah, um, it is a big leap to take, and it's it's just not. It just really soured the entire episode for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's there's some B stories like Ross and Rachel going to visit uh, Rachel's father after he has a heart attack, um, and also Chandler. Chandler and Monica. This was this one. I also didn't this be this storyline. I didn't like. Uh, Monica and Chandler are um, entertaining 
uh, Anna Ferris's character who plays the, uh, the mother of the babies that they are adopting, um, pregnant mother of the right. babies. Um, so they bring her around New York in like, like there's a storyline where she, she reveals that she thinks the father is the father could be someone who ended up murdering his father with a shovel and that freaks Chandler out, which again, that's an interesting idea uh, for a concept and it fits with the character of Chandler Bing pretty well and his various anxieties and everything. But it's a little, it's just, it's a little too out there. It's a little too weird. It's a little too um, extreme and it's, it's played a little too, uh, a little too much and it's not as convincing within the confines of the, of the show itself. Um, so yeah, so that's my, that's my least favorite episode. Um, it's, uh, it's still friends, so I can still watch it. It's not ruinous to this experience or anything, but it is problematic. Um, and then finally my representative episode is season, uh, five episode 14, the one where everybody finds out. And this is kind of, I mean, it's kind of a spoiler, but I mean, it's, it's, it's been, it's, it, everyone knows. Um, this episode is much like the one with the embryos. This is an episode where it, it, um, is contingent on the characters interacting with each other and really playing on the dynamics between the characters. And this is the episode where the title suggests where everyone finds out and where everyone finds out that, uh, Rachel or not Rachel, but um, I almost said Rachel and Monica <laughs> where Monica and Chandler have been hooking up and are dating in secret. And what I love about this is that a, it escalates the Chandler and Monica storyline, the, their relationship in the, it puts it into a place that's outside of the secret love affair thing. Um, and really develops it more. And that's, that's a relationship in the show that I really championed and I really loved. Um, even I would say to an extent, I even actually, uh, was a bigger fan of it than I was of Ross and Rachel. Um, yeah. And this episode is just fantastic because it has, um, the characters playing with each other's minds Mm -hmm. and trying to get each other to break. So, I mean, you could probably say that this is more my favorite episode and the one with the embryos is the representative episode, but, I mean, it's it's a phenomenal episode of of sitcom television and a great episode of of Friends. Um, I don't really have much else to say about. It. Do you remember? Uh, I love ahead. I love Ross in that episode where he's like yes. my best friend and my sister, <laughs> and then he's like, no, no, I I love her, and he's like my best friend and my sister. Uh, that's I love that line. That I believe is actually the next episode. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Well, shit. It is. Well, the thing Same is, storyline. Yeah, it is, and and that also brings out my. Uh, that actually also brings up a, a B story of the episode is that it's it is continuous from from that episode. So, yeah. um, the episode ends like one of the B stories of the episode is that, uh, um, and that's another thing that I love about it is it's it's all playing on the secret of Monica and Chandler. So it's these characters interacting and learning the secret and everything. Yeah. Um, at different times. So 
um, and they're playing mind games with each other. They're kind of separated into different uh, factions, and like Phoebe's trying to seduce Chandler so that Chandler can admit that they're <laughs> yes. hooking up, and and Chandler like Monica is trying to get Chandler not to break because she wants to win because she's she she's a compulsive person who can't who can't lose and very competitive. And it turns into this really weird thing. Yeah. But one of the running things of it is that Ross is looking for a new apartment and he decides to uh, move into Ugly Naked Guy's apartment, um, which is the apartment across the street that they've been watching throughout the years or watching through the window. And um, that's where it ends where he he sees them <laughs> oh, yeah. doing it up against the window. <laughs> and then the next episode starts with, with him doing like, uh, doing that. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my representative episode. And, uh, tiny, do you have any thoughts on friends? Um, could very well be, I, I, it's a top 10 show for nice. me. Top, top 10, one of my top 10 favorite shows. So yeah, it's one of my favorite shows. It, I, I, I thought of some episodes. I thought of putting it on this episode. Nice. Um, but I feel like I really got into Friends because of you, like how much you like it. And I've, I watched it a lot in syndication. And so mm-hmm. I, I thought it'd be more appropriate if you brought it up. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's not because I, I didn't, did I ask you to? I don't know. I didn't. You, no. Yeah. No, I, I was like, I think it, I think it makes more sense to have you bring it up because you, you really do have the encyclopedic, encyclopedic knowledge of it. And I, oh, I yeah, don't. I do. I do. I do. You do. Okay, and uh, so that's Friends. And Tiny, what's your next uh, show? So up next for me uh, is basically what I consider to be the best show of all time, The Wire. Um, which I think a lot of people consider to be the best show of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also it's one of my favorite. I, I love the um, I love the accuracy of the show. I, I love how it doesn't it doesn't placate to its audience. It doesn't dumb things down. It's uh, it's accurate and it's it's harsh. It's realistic, um, and it's just it's just it's it's real. It's a real mm-hmm. show. Um, this is reality television, not that bullshit you watch on right. Tuesday night and text in your vote. Uh, <laughs> that's not reality television. Yeah. Anyways, tangent over. Um, the Wire is it's it's basically just a show about it's it's about the city of Baltimore and it's mm-hmm. about how. Um, how things work and how people live and exist and make their way in that kind of city. Um, it's kind of about the, the evolution of the American city into the Mm. 21st century. It's, it's, it's a very broad, um, but precise TV show in that respect. Um, I we haven't really talked about the wire that much on this podcast. We haven't in I, I always yeah. I think it's cuz it's just untouchable. It's it just is. it's just it's the best show of all time and it's just mm-hmm. so hard to you could when you start talking about it it's hard not to talk about it for 3 hours. It is. And it's also hard yeah. at least and this is and this is probably my own baggage that I bring to it but it's it's hard not to it's hard to talk about it and not, at least for me, feel like I'm being pretentious or smug yeah. or snobby. Right. Yeah. And it's because it, and this is something that I should have put on my list. I definitely should have, but, um, 
like you said, it's just it's it's untouchable. It's in a class by itself yeah. for me. But it's yeah. an obvious choice, right? Um, yeah, uh, but I couldn't. I just couldn't not bring it up. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, the best episode uh, going early here is uh, the cost, which I think is the ninth oh, yeah. episode of the first season. Tenth, tenth, yeah, tenth episode of the first season. Yeah. Um, but it's um, in this episode, there's a a sting operation, mm-hmm. and it is. Are one of the intense, most intense moments of the whole series. Yep. Um, just absolutely riveting television. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mentioned in our year in review episode when I talked about the show, the movie Imperium, mm-hmm. uh, uh, being on my list. Uh, I love undercover police work. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so, it's terrifying to me. Like, you know, because if you slip up one little bit, they're gonna kill you. Yeah. And they're going to torture you to death. It's like an awful thing. And it's so, it's just so unbelievably risky to go undercover. And so I'm, I'm always compelled by those kinds of stories. Um, and in this episode, Detective Greg's, Greg's, mm-hmm. Greg's, uh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, I mess that up every time. Yeah. Um, um, I didn't watch this. I, I can't just pop in an episode of The Wire. I, <laughs> right. I can't do that. It's been a long time since I've watched The Wire. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this episode, Detective Griggs goes undercover for a sting operation. Um, and it goes south. That's all I'll say. It, it, it goes south. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the best part of, of the episode. And it's one of the best parts of the whole series and this season, absolutely. Um, I think the first season is my favorite. I think the first season's the best. That's, my opinion, but the second season is a very close second, ironically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second season gets kind of lost in the shuffle uh, with regards to The Wire. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of a shame. Uh, but yeah, the cost is... its I think it's one of the... I think i think it's the best episode. I think it's... Mm-hmm. It jumps out. It jumps out to me. I don't think there are any bad episodes of The Wire. Again, they, they're all... They all have very important things to say, uh, and they do so very well, really well. Um but I think that's 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 the best. I, I'm very comfortable putting that as as my personal favorite. That's a really great uh, choice for favorite. I just want to kind of throw in here that um, also it's it's funny looking at the IMDb listing for it. That is the only episode that is not either a penultimate season episode or or a penultimate episode for a season or a season finale. So that's the only episode. That is not the second to last or last episode of a season that is rated uh, 9.0 on oh, like really? user ratings. Everything else is around 8.6, 8.8, but that's like the only one that's like 9.0. That's not like an end of season episode. That's awesome. Yeah. But, well, we'll um, talk about that later. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, to go to my worst, uh, it's the episode More With Less, uh, which is the premiere of the final season. Um, I'm not a big fan of the fifth season. Okay. Like I said, there's, there's no bad seasons. There's no bad episodes. Um, but I feel like the, the show attempted to keep up with a lot of the characters and a lot of the stories that have, that were established in previous seasons. And I feel like the fifth season tried to juggle too much while still setting itself apart. Um, and I think the, uh, exploration of the media that they mm-hmm. went through in the fifth season suffered for that a little bit. Um, suffered as a result of that a little bit, um, which is interesting because the you know the the creators of the show come from a media background, and so I right. feel like they really wanted to. 
I feel like that could have been the most accurate, if you will, or the most exemplary season. Uh, but I feel like it just got kind of lost. It got a little bit lost in the, because it was the last season and there, there was a lot, a lot to juggle. Um, and, and even the, the villain, if you will, or the, uh, um, antagonist of, of the season, uh, Marlo Stanfield. Mm-hmm. I just, I never really got into his character. I, oh, yeah? I feel like he was just, I don't know. I feel like he was a pretty dry character. Um, I don't take it out on the actor. Uh, forgive me. I don't recall his name. Um, I don't take it out on him. I, I think he was fine. I just, I feel like Jamie Hector, Jamie Hector. Okay. I, again, don't take, I don't take it out on him. And I don't think he did bad poorly or anything, but, uh, just, I feel like, again, the character got kind of lost amongst all the rest of the characters. And he was just kind of a, a place, a placeholder for the next drug kingpin, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't find him all that intriguing. So, um, yeah, the, the whole fifth season to me is, all those episodes for the most part kind of fall by the wayside um, out of all 60 episodes of the series. Um, and so I just kind of picked the first one as a, as an example of that. Um, so that's the worst in my, in my book. Okay. Uh, the most representative is the penultimate episode of season two. Uh, nice. It's called bad dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really feel like, Frank Sabatka was a great microcosm for for the the largest theme of this show is you know it's kind of this this the whole concept of urban decay mm-hmm. or uh how 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 corrupted Baltimore is as a city it's it's a very corrupt city all the facets of it are corrupt and damaged and decaying. And, you know, Frank Sabaka is a guy who is in a position of power and he is successful, but he's really, really struggling. And it's because the whole, the, the shipping industry in the Bay of Baltimore um, is just, it's just a dying industry pretty much in that city. And it's, it's really a shame. And I feel like in this episode, everything is coming crashing down for his character and it's he he just sees the writing on the wall but he keeps putting one foot in front of the other anyways and he just he's continuing down his path he could have just gotten in his car and just left mm-hmm. and just like all right i got to go cuz this is it this is the end of the line for me um so i think he knew what was coming uh with this penultimate episode and i just i see him as a a very all encompassing character of of what this show's biggest theme is, and so that's that's why I feel, I feel like it's one of the most representative episodes of of the nice. whole the whole season. I yeah, totally. Um, it's funny because that again this this is a show I, I should have had on my list, but anyway, yeah, um, yeah I, I agree with everything you said. Um, nice. This show is is just remarkable, and it's so hard to pick a show that represents or an episode that represents the show. Yeah. It's almost impossible. It's, it really is. Especially when you have a show like this where every season has kind of a, a very clearly defined theme and, uh, uh, even setting in some cases, um, that, that is really taking the precedence over, um, the storyline essentially. So it's really hard to kind of narrow it down. But to to your point about uh, more with less being kind of the worst episode, which uh, totally totally get it. Season five, when I rewatched it, was 
not as strong as I, as I remember it being when I first saw it. Cause I was kind of an apologist for it. Um, it's not a bad season by any stretch. It, uh, it even leads to a very satisfying series finale for me. Um, but I do want to mention that that the show had such an um, an impressive knack for opening scenes of seasons. That's true. And yeah, and the opening scenes were always kind of a a kind of a representation of what the season was to be. So, like the very first scene of the entire series is McNulty sitting on a uh, in season one in the pilot episode, McNulty sitting on a corner. Are sitting on a street corner with a ki- with a guy who just witnessed a murder, and you see the dead body. You see the police, you know, doing that. And McNulty is doing his detective thing, asking like, "What happened to Snot Boogie?" The kid's name. Um, and he goes into the kid. The guy goes into this whole spiel, saying that um, I didn't think that they would have shot him for it, uh, but he always came down and he would always snatch the money when we're playing game when we're playing. Uh, I forget what they were playing. Roll and dice, I think. Dice, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they, he'd always snatch the money and run, but, it, you know, I don't know why we would ever, like, I don't know why anyone would ever shoot him for it or kill him for it. And then uh, McNulty just says, um, okay, so if you knew that Snot would, would take the money, why would you let him play? And the guy says, this America, man, uh, you you got to play or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a great representation of what that what the show is and what uh that season is because it's about the game of of the like on the streets and and the drug game and everything from different facets and everything. Um, but anyway, the the opening scene of season five was really great for me because it was about lying and the nature of of truth and everything because and and it's represented in such a great way. It's two of the detectives. In the homicide unit, um, they are, uh, they're interviewing like the, I think he's a witness to a murder, um, or an accomplice. I don't remember if they even went into detail what it was. So they're like, all right, well, let's go ahead. Oh, that's what it was. So he said that, yeah, we've got your friend in the other room and he, uh, he already gave you up for some, like we offered him some McDonald's and he, he already gave up everything. He's, he already told us everything. So like they take the guy out of the other holding room, hand him like McDonald's and stuff, and like he they have him walk past the window. Yeah, I to remember see that. Him. Yeah, and then and then they have the guy do a lie detector test, <laughs> which is just them putting. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's so great. They uh they have him put like his hand on the copier. And they have a sheet of paper on it that just <laughs> writes false or says lie or whatever. And then they turn on it, ask him if he knows if he like if he did it or whatever. Um, and then they just take the paper out and it just says false or says lie or something. <laughs> and it's so great. And it is it is representative of what the show what the what that season was because it's about the media. It's about lying and and about using um using using a loose uh, loose morals with the truth to attain what you need to get the job done and everything. And it's, it's a really fascinating thing. So anyway, this show, like tiny said, we could talk about it for hours and hours. Um, it's not on my list because it is in a class by itself for me. Um, but yeah, and it's funny cause, and this is kind of spoiling the rest of the episode here, but I, I'm really regretting not putting breaking bad in the list. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. That's um, top ten. It it is. Yeah. 
Um, like I just looked at the episode lists and Ozymandias is yeah. the only time I've ever seen this is it's a 10.0 user rating on really? IMDb. Yeah. Deservedly so? Yeah, oh, totally. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I would, I would go so far as to say, you know, Breaking Bad and The Wire, they're kind of in a class by themselves for me and that's why I didn't put them on the list. That's fair. Um, I almost yeah. regret bringing up The Wire. But uh, you shouldn't because it gave us an excuse to talk about it. It's, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. All right. Do you have any more to say on it? Should I go to my next one? That's it for the water. Okay, sweet. So um, this one will be kind of brief, I, I guess, because it's another sitcom. It's another comedy. Um, it's The Office, the U.S. version, which is one of the only times that I can think of off the top of my head where a remake of of a foreign show or a show from, from somewhere else, uh, I would go so far as to say it, it – uh, it, rose above its original which may not be totally fair because yeah the british show is only uh, like a handful of sh- episodes but i think i just i connected with the office on such a deep level as a sitcom and as a fan of comedy television and um it's just it's it's remarkable it's such a remarkable show even though kind of toward the end it kind of lost its way um in its prime it was one of the bests one of the best I don't know why I said best. I don't know why I pluralized that. <laughs> anyway, it was one of the bestesses um, <laughs> of any show. And my favorite episode, and this was such a hard call to make. It really was. But I honestly think that the my favorite episode of the show, and this is kind of a shocker or kind of it's not indicative of what the show was really, but it's season four, episode nine, Dinner Party. Nice. This is a trend, uh, um, a, a transcendent episode for me in regards with the office, because this episode is about Michael, uh, uh, Michael Scott and Jan living together in Michael's condo and inviting the office over for a dinner party. And what it becomes is this really cringe inducing, um, relationship drama that plays out and it is a very it's it's brilliantly written it is a brilliant deconstruction of a dysfunctional relationship and how people react to that and instability and um seeing how people make concessions like like there's a there the scene where Michael is showing, like doing the the tour, and he says, "Like, here's where I sleep. It's just in, in a ball at the like at the end of the bed." Yeah, <laughs> because uh, Jan Jan doesn't like me in the bed or whatever. And like, here's my flat screen TV. It's this little tiny screen that he just stands stands and stares at it. He's for like, sometimes hours. I'll just stand here for hours. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, it is. It is an amazing, amazing episode, and it is so. I mean, this episode is, is just so kind of brutally honest because it has Michael Scott as this character who, you know, we, we as viewers of the show love Michael Scott. And one of the endearing qualities about him is that he is this obnoxious buffoon, just stupid and, and hurtful kind of person. Yeah. With so little self awareness. And, and like he is, he can be a brutal character. But what I loved about the show was that it made him an endearing figure and it made him such a, uh, a likable a-hole. 
essentially. Yeah. Um, and it, it really rode that line very well. And what we get in dinner party is a character who like he, he loves Jan, but it he's just, she, they're not, she's not right. Like she's not right in the head. Yeah. <laughs> and it is just an amazing, amazing deconstruction of a really dysfunctional relationship and how it all just implodes in this, uh, in this dinner party. Um, Oh, it is, it is a brilliant, brilliant episode. Um, yeah, God, I loved it. Um, so yeah, so that's my favorite episode. Okay. My least favorite is season eight, episode 19, Get the Girl. Um, this is the post Michael Scott era. I won't talk about it too much because I, I'm sure that there are worst, worst episodes, um, to, to bring up. I just, I, I just completely pushed them from my memory, to be honest. Um, but season eight, uh, get the girl. It has, um, Aaron in Tallahassee and Andy going there to, to get her back, to win her back. And kind of the main story with the office is that, uh, Nellie played by Catherine Tate from Dr. Who fame, actually. Yeah. Um, she basically comes into the office after, um, embarrassing herself in, in a whole subplot in, uh, in Florida with the saber store. It's a whole thing. But anyway, she comes into the office and just basically takes Andy's job. And like, she, she sees that he's not there and she takes the job. It's a very flimsy, not only is it a flimsy plot line for that episode, but they extended into a multi-episode arc that just did not work for me and was kind of the Kind of the worst part of the series for me. Um, just this whole fact that the, this, the script, the, the, uh, the writing seemed to really, really jump to, to make it seem to, it went to great lengths to justify her occupying, like taking Andy's job and not having Andy there. It was a very, it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. So that's my least favorite episode. Uh, the episode that represents the show for me, um, I could have picked from any, any episode of season two, like the entire second season. It is one of the best episodes of te- or seasons of television I've ever seen. I was going to say those exact words, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but the episode that I did choose is season two, episode 14, the carpet. If only because the main plot is, uh, <laughs> Michael comes in and sees that someone has played a prank on him and left something very disgusting on his carpet, <laughs> um, oh God. which is brilliant. And it's, it's really great. But what I love about it is that this, this episode, um, shows he, Michael kind of, it, it's kind of him coming to terms, like almost coming to terms with like who he is as opposed to who he thinks he is or who he wants to be. And it's kind of, it plays with some really interesting stuff about, you know, like, like him being an obnoxious character and him still being endearing. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. And it's kind of sandwiched in between episodes that deal very heavily with, uh, Jim and Pam. Um, I could almost say boys and girls would be a good representative episode just because, um, uh, because Jim and Pam's uh, whole storyline kind of doesn't, it doesn't reach an apex or anything, but it, there's some, there's a good dividing thing between the characters in the office and it, it kind of really pl- ties into the Jim and Pam thing. But the entire second season is, is one of the best seasons of television and it is a great representation of what the office is and could have uh, strode, uh, strode to be strived, strived. strived. <laughs> Holy crap. 
<laughs> like an etymology lesson tonight. It is. It's like, God. Anyway. Um, okay, so the last two shows that we have are the same show. Yep. Okay, so uh, do you want to bring up the first one? Do you want to bring it up and then we can kind of compare notes on what, what our best and worst in representative episodes were? Absolutely. Okay, great. Uh, the second to last show is The Shield. Nice. Um, one of my favorite shows of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of hard for me to talk about it now because I've watched every single episode twice. I watched through the whole series twice. Mm-hmm. And I decided to put it on a shelf Uh to use Mike's term, mm-hmm. um, I just shelved it, and it, I shelved it like five years ago, wow. um, if that's right, four years ago maybe. I don't know, but I shelved it a handful of years ago, and I have not watched it at all since. I haven't even thought about it a lot since really? then, and it's just because I feel like I explored that show really intensely, and mm-hmm. and really, um, I think it kind of. It got compl- the storylines got complicated towards the end mm-hmm. and were harder to follow, and I think that kind of had a negative effect on my enjoyment of it a little bit. Sure, um, I can definitely see that. Yeah, and not not to say that it's, that it's bad or it was poorly written or any of that kind of stuff. I'm not I'm not trying to knock the show down, but mm-hmm. um, it just got harder to follow, and okay. as a result, I kind of I lost a little bit of interest in the final season, um, which is really a shame. Um, but the shield is just a magnificent show. Mm-hmm. It's um it it was kind of at the peak of the anti-hero phenomenon that we yeah. we talked about before on the podcast. Um and it 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 was it's one of the best examples of that that sentiment that we had in that time period if you will. Um so it's hard for me to talk about it. I haven't watched it in several years. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to watch any of these episodes before this before we recorded this. Um but one of the best episodes that stuck out to me is uh, Bottom Bitch. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, season three? Season three, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's one of the darkest episodes of the series, mm-hmm. which is a really bold statement because the whole series is super dark. I mean, there's obviously some comedy throughout the, sh- throughout the, the show or there's comic relief, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's known for – the show was known for extremes. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the more uh, noteworthy themes of the show is yeah. extremity, going mm-hmm. to extremes. Um, I think it's one of the darkest, darkest episodes, and I think because it showcases how low Vic Mackey's willing to go mm-hmm. um, to save his ass and to save everyone's ass, um, which, you know, you're talking about a guy who murders another cop. Right. To get out of something. So that's in the pilot episode. In the first episode, <laughs> yeah. Um which I think even the pilot episode could be an amazing Oh, totally. Amazing best episode. Mm-hmm. Um but I just I, I love how dark Vic Mackey goes in this episode. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and, and and his partners in the strike team, their complicitness in that in those yeah. acts in this episode. It's it's just super dark and I think it's a really good representation of the show. Totally. Um, yeah. So that's your favorite episode? Yep. Okay. And do you just want to go, like, me do favorite? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and first, just uh, to kind of touch on what you said about The Shield just in general, first of all, it is available on, U- on not YouTube, but Hulu mm-hmm. um, in its entirety. And uh, it's, God, this show. Um, and what I loved about it, and Tiny, you talked about how it's it's a great, like, gritty, like, anti-hero show, cop show. And that it is all those things, and that is a perfect summation of it. But I think one of the things that 
I, I really loved about it as well was that this was a very interesting melding of serialized storytelling and police procedural. Yeah. Because each episode had a strike team focused storyline that's, that's, that was part of a, the overall arc of the entire series. And then every episode kind of had a B, B story, like case of the week that Dutch and Claudette or Dutch and Billings were working on. And that episode that you referenced bottom bitch had a very disturbing, disturbing case of the week B story episode or storyline. It was where, um, Dutch and Claudette investigate the rape of an elderly woman. Right. And it was just so unsettling and, was that the cuddler rapist? No, it was no. before the cuddler rapist, I okay. think. I, I, you know, now that I think about it, it may have been the cuddler rapist. Which is a phrase that none of us should ever have to say. Oh, no, absolutely. Rapist, that's a horrible thing. Yeah, and oh, God. But when you're talking about the shield, mm-hmm, right. that's just one of the things you got to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that this, I, I don't remember, but the, this, that, uh, that storyline is just really, really got under my skin. Yeah. Um, and so for my favorite episode of the show, this is a, this is something I, I can't talk about it. I just can't. I, I can't talk about it. Okay. Um, first of all, it is the series finale. <laughs> um, okay. Season seven, episode 13, family meeting. Um, I mean, those words will never carry the same meaning yeah. for me ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that episode is, I would, I would say it is the best series. F- tied for the best series finale i've ever seen <laughs> nice of the series finales i've seen it's honestly i i mentioned that i didn't uh i mentioned that i regret not putting breaking bad on this list i would say stack breaking bad series finale against the shield series finale i honestly think i would go with the shield really um okay. i yes um then in granted i think in first of all i haven't rewatch Breaking Bad. I don't think I've rewatched it since the finale. Um, but also I kind of feel like Breaking Bad, the final season peaked with Ozymandias and then the rest was the, was the denouement. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Oh yeah. And, uh, and also it's kind of funny cause the shield also the penultimate episode, um, possible, a possible kill screen, which a, I love that the episode title is a reference to King of Kong. Yeah. Um, and it is, it's just weird that this, it's, it's interesting that that is what the penultimate episode of a very gritty, um, cop, dirty cop show. Like the penultimate episode is titled after a line in a documentary about people playing, a, um, an arcade game. Right. It's just, it's, it's humorous random as shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the, the final moments of that episode is the, is some of the best television I've ever seen. Like, ever mm-hmm. um and anyway so family meeting i mean it is it is it is one of the best series finales i've ever seen and uh and i could have put so many other episodes for my favorite um uh parasite comes to mind which is kind of in the middle of season seven or kind of toward the end that's where things come to a head and the last the last 20 minutes of that episode are like some of the most riveting riveting minutes of television i've ever seen and it's not riveting in the ca- in the case of oh my god something like this is everything is gonna like um this is all building towards something that's gonna like be incredibly explosive at the end of this episode it's not that because this is the parasite is the 
is the usher like is the show ushering us into the the final run of episodes so while it is the most in, like one of the most intense 20 minute last 20 minutes of an episode it's not because it's building toward anything that's resolved in that episode it is because it's setting the stage for the final episodes of the show and it is done so beautifully it is a freaking phenomenal show and the series finale is amazing and that's my favorite episode is family meeting season seven episode 13 tiny what is your least favorite episode (laughs) um my least favorite episode is cherry poppers i and we've talked about that but go ahead we have yeah there's season one i really hate language barriers Mm -hmm. and i really hate a super intense character like Vic Mackey having to deal with like a child. Yeah. There the interaction with Vic Mackey and the the child in this episode mm-hmm. was just like painful. Yeah. I, it, and in like the kid's a terrible actor, no offense to her. Right. She's just not good. Um it, it it was that that part makes it just painful. And and this is a super brutal episode cuz mm-hmm. you know you're dealing with a horrible subject, you know. Yeah. D- a child sex worker that's a horrible thing mm-hmm. it's it's awful and it's really dark and the show does not pull punches the show never pulls punches it's it's so intense um right. so it, it gets points for me for that for exploring such a taboo subject but just the path it went down was just off-putting to me i i just couldn't really uh couldn't get behind it it's not a terrible episode uh it's just because i mean there are a couple not great episodes in this in this series but this one just kind of jumped out at me it's really just because of that one aspect of it um so maybe it's a little bit unfair to call it the worst but uh that's just what jumped out to me when when i I thought of negative moments of the shield (laughs) and i and i probably would have put that on the list too for that um because you know the yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, but my my least favorite episode on it is actually from season two. It's episode nine. It's called Copilot, which in theory, this is a really good idea for an episode. It's uh, basically this is an episode that's an entire flashback episode set before the events of the first season. Um, it's kind of showing the how the strike team was made and and what led them to kind of kind of become dirty cops. Um, the problems that I have with it, while it is, it is a solid episode of television within the universe of the shield. It is, it is good. It it is, is informative. Well done. Everything. What I don't like about it is that it was in, it was season, it was episode nine of season two. This is in a 12 episode season. Huge events happen in the episode previous to it. And I always have a, have a bad taste in my mouth for co-pilot because I watched this week to week and I had to wait a week before we got to the, to the main storyline. Like it doesn't have any connection to the, to the overarching storyline in season two or the overarching villain in season two. It's just, it's, it's just kind of a, kind of a, kind of a weird place to put a flashback episode. Um, Tiny, what's your representative episode? Uh, I actually went with, um, with an episode from, uh, season six. Oh, really? Uh, season six, episode six, uh, Chasing Ghosts. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Directed by Frank Darabont. That's right. Yeah. Yep. I didn't even realize that yep. when I picked Who, it. Yeah. When he made the, sh- when he made the, the mist, he used the crew, uh, a lot of the crew from the shield because they were, hand like handheld cameras yeah. and uh had quick turnaround and everything so yep. like a really they're like a really efficient crew yep yeah i remember that yeah um but yeah just 
the confrontation between Vic and Shane. Oh my god. It's just so potent mm-hmm. and just really it's so hard to watch cuz he's their best friends. It's it's mm-hmm. like it's really Shakespearean. It's a very it's just it's just like the pinnacle of drama to have mm-hmm. like they're based, they consider themselves brothers. Right. And they have this rift between them and it comes to kind of, it comes to a head kind of in this mm-hmm. episode and it's just, it's glorious. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the show is the plot lines and the stories are incredible and they're compelling as hell. But it, you know, we focus, we talk about characters all the time. Mm-hmm. The characters can shine through crappy plots and, oh, yeah. These are some of the best characters on television, and to see these guys butt heads, it's it's just such a great moment. And and I, I think this show is is made by its characters, and and yeah, these are the two of the most two of the most important characters in the series, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, early on in the season, the series, like the the producers, or not necessarily the producers, but like the people at FX were like. Mm-hmm questionable on uh, Walton Goggins and stuff like they weren't right. even sure they were going to bring him back and stuff like yeah. that and he turns into this character mm-hmm. where we're at and it's just like I, I love how wrong they were because right. <laughs> I hate studio notes and you yeah. know, some jackass behind a desk trying to mold a show it just drives me nuts right and to have it thrown in the face of those people with mm-hmm. tons of different episodes throughout the series but this one in particular I think was just an awesome turn of events right in the series so there's so many things going on in the episode that i love and it's just a great one yeah and it, and it builds off of seasons worth of of development and it's tension it's tension and yeah. it's it's an it's an incredible episode the yeah. the uh the like you said tiny the confrontation between them is just one of the most intense scenes i've ever seen mm-hmm. um yeah and for my representative episode i picked season 1 episode 10 uh dragon chasers oh yeah that is a good one it is awesome so this episode is uh i chose it because it's a good um it's it's a good representation of the kind of meld between the serialized plot and the case of the week plot and which the case of the week plot, it is, it isn't like a, it's not as strictly like case of the week. They have overarching like cases that Dutch and Claudette work the two detectives in it. Um, they, they work it throughout the season sometimes, but they do have one off episodes, but this episode is the culmination of a season long arc. That is this investigation, um, or this, this, uh, hunt for the serial killer that's killing, I believe young prostitutes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, what stands out to me is that this episode doesn't rely too much on on the overarching serialized nature of the show, although I believe there is some of that there. But the strongest part of it is that they um, apprehend someone, and there is what one of the great things about the shield was the was the interrogation scenes. Yes, so amazing. And the person that they get is Michael Kelly. <laughs> Um, from House of Cards, and and he was in he was actually in the Men Against Fire episode of uh, Black Mirror. Um, and what I love about it is that so often in this show, Dutch is this kind of inflated ego, smarter than everyone else character who is the butt of jokes from Vic and kind of the like he's kind of the whipping boy of of the of the farm, which is the name of the the um 
the station, essentially the, the precinct, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so this scene, this episode is amazing because this is, this includes a scene where Dutch is in, is interrogating a suspect and everyone is like gathered around the, uh, the monitor watching him basically, basically get the runaround from this guy like the the like michael kelly's character basically psychoanalyzes dutch yeah and what i freaking loved about this is that the moment like there's a moment where dutch just like like he earns he earns the respect of everyone there and like the fallout of that is so beautiful because you see that that Dutch is, he's not like, it isn't like a standard, like, Oh, the cops get the bad guy and, and, and the cops is the, the cop is the hero of it or, or what have you. It's like, you see the emotional toll that the job takes on, on Dutch at the end. Right. It's really, it's a really satisfying episode. It's a good representation of what the show, what the show was. I think it's one of Michael Kelly's best performances, maybe his best work. Oh, absolutely. That, yeah, I love that part. Oh yeah. So good. Okay. We're running a little long. We need to go into our last one. Yep. Um, are you good, tiny? I'm good. Okay. So I'll bring us into the last one. If you don't mind, since you brought us into the shield, uh, this is another one that we share, um, on our list. Um, it's lost guys. Yeah. Lost is a beloved show. I, I mean, this is a show I need to revisit it. I need to go back and watch it again. Mm-hmm. But this is a show that consumed for me personally and and I know tiny you as well. It consumed our lives. Yeah. Like it is a show that I I don't know if I will ever have the viewer experience that I had with the shield or wow, that I had with Lost. <laughs> um because it was such a unique show. It like it kind of it's interesting because I've kind of been noticing I'm, I've been drifting more into science fiction just in general in terms of my my fandom like like in our year in review episode I talked about how I didn't really watch any Shocktober movies and most of that was because I had Shocktober and Irvington and um, Heartland Film Festival and everything but also I think that I'm kind of growing away from the horror genre and I'm kind of attaching myself more to science fiction and like I'm, I'm reading uh, Revelation Space uh, and I have a bunch of um, sci-fi space operas that I want to go through. But anyway, um, also I have a fucking podcast about classic science fiction in the twilight yeah. zone. Um, so anyway, all that's to say that I honestly think that lost is responsible for that because it kind of ignited this, this interest in science fiction by being a mystery show with science fiction elements that slowly the science fiction elements kind of took precedence and became this show became a show that, brought science fiction to a mass audience and really was my gateway drug into a a genre or type of storytelling that I am now head over heels for. And the drama of it, the mystery of it, the drama of it and the characterization is, is amazing. It's the, (laughs) it's the best Stephen King adaptation I've ever seen. Yeah. Like it's, and that's to say that it's, it has nothing to do with Stephen King, except for all of the the writers were fans of Stephen King. They had copies of The Stand in the writers' room um, throughout the run of the show, um, and it was heavily influenced by the work of Stephen King. Like just the character dynamics, having an ensemble cast of characters with each having very well developed backstories and and their own um, uh, mysteries and, and things surrounding them. It's just a very well drawn drama and you match that with the mystery of it and these science fiction elements that are just outstanding. Um, 
yeah, it's it's such a beautiful show, and it is a very beautiful show. It's shot um, in Hawaii, and it's yeah. I mean, it's just gorgeous to look at. Uh, Tiny, do you have any broad thoughts on Lost, or should we go into her? I echo everything you said. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the best shows of all time. I mentioned The West Wing being one of the last great mm-hmm. network dramas. This is one of the other ones. Yeah, even totally. though it is kind of sci-fi, but it's right. It, it's still a dramatic show. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll go ahead and go into favorites. Okay. Uh, and I say favorites plural. <laughs> I do have two. Okay. And I'm cheating on this, and you'll see why. The first favorite episode I have is it's. I mean, I'm sure it's the one everyone thinks of when they think of favorite episode. Season four, episode five, The Constant. Okay. It's Desmond and Penny, time travel, love. It's uh, Desmond is is slipping through time. He is looking for, um, throughout the entire episode, basically, um, for mysterious lost reasons um he is his mind is is jumping between present day and um the past essentially so he is mentally traveling through time throughout it and these occurrences are happening quicker and quicker so what the entire the entire plot of the episode is is that he he needs to find his constant and he needs to create a connection in the present day and in the past to get him to be okay. And it's fucking incredible. <laughs> it is one of the greatest single episodes of television I've ever seen. It's one of the most beautiful love stories I've ever seen on, on television or yes. even in film. Um, it's just incredible. And it's, and it's time travel. So that ups it to like, <laughs> plus like four. Um, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful episode. And I swear to God, that ending makes me cry every time. Yeah. Um, it's the constant. And then should I, should I go ahead and go on my second one? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So the second one, this is brief. It's more of a, it's more of a, yes, this is my favorite. Um, season six, episode 17, the end. <laughs> um, wow. Because I honestly believe like granted, yes. I did say family meeting for the shield is one of the best series finales ever. And I, yes, I stand by that lost is one of the most perfect series finales for me for a show that I've ever seen because it, what it did in the series finale was directly in line with what I had spent six years following the show what I'd spent six years developing in my mind as, as what drove the show for me personally, people didn't like the ending. People didn't like the finale. That's fine. People didn't like the sixth season. That's fine. Um, again, it introduced some very out there science fiction concepts that I was all about. And, uh, it resolved those in a, in very satisfying ways. um, and it's also, again, there's scenes at the end of this episode that I hear the music to and I cannot control my emotions. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and I'm also kind of terrified to watch it again because some of the themes in it are shit that I've had in my life go, go th- on in my life that that's going to be tough to watch. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, lost favorite episodes. I could also pick pretty much, uh, um, a bunch of different episodes. Like, yeah. On the drive, on the drive home from work, I thought of 
I thought of the episode in season three, Greatest Hits. And I don't know if you're going to talk about this or not, but I thought about that. And I thought about one of the lines from it. And I was just like, oh, that that hit me so hard. But yeah, so that those are my favorite episodes. Tiny favorite episodes of Lost. Okay. Um, episode. Or- I, I only I only picked one. And, okay. and to follow my theme, I went. I went early. I, I picked the nice. early episodes, and I I picked it for its simp- simplicity. I think it's one of your favorites. Walkabout. <laughs> I'm which, gonna be talking about that in another. Are you okay? Yeah. Which is like the fourth or fifth episode? It is episode four. Episode four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I picked it because it's simple, and, and mm-hmm. it's like it. It. I think it establishes a lot of the themes of the show early on. It could also be a you know a, a representative episode, mm-hmm. a good representative episode. It could um, be. Yeah. <laughs> um, it really hits home the flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's one of the best flashback episodes. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a mystery in the flash flashback. There's a surprise at the end. Um, it's it's just really well done. And also, John Locke's my favorite character, so oh, it's kind yeah. of a personal pick. Um, for that reason. Um, I actually watched the I actually watched this episode on Netflix. Yeah, which is the first time I'd watched any Lost in five years. See, I I wanted to watch something I know. from it, but I I can't. I I couldn't. I just couldn't because yeah. I'd I'd be rewatching the series. As I watched it, I would I actually clicked on the next episode. Like, yeah, what happens? <laughs> oh no, I can't do this. Nice. It was it was similar to other other mm-hmm. uh, TV shows that we talked about this episode. Yeah. Um, it's like I wanted to just move on right to the next episode because it's so good and. and addicting mm-hmm. um but I, I love i love walkabout i love the symbolism of it and i love how you know the character of john Locke was looking for his walkabout mm-hmm. by going to sydney and he couldn't find it there and it's because he was destined to to have his true walkabout his test of mm-hmm. manhood or or his his life test on the island and i just i love the symbolism of that and love the character and it just that's one of the I was sold on Lost right away when I when the show premiered and everything. I, I was like, I'm going to watch this show, and I watched the the two part pilot, and I was like, Yeah, this is great. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do this. But this episode, I was like, Man, this show is like different. Right. This is a special show, and I think this was probably the first episode where I really started to feel that. So that's why I chose it as one of my favorites. Absolutely, sweet. Yep. And uh, let's see. So my least favorite episodes. Um, and yes, there are more than one. Yeah. Uh, they're both Jack centric episodes, oddly enough. Uh, the first one is kind of the easy one. People will say it too. Um, if you were to ask for the worst episodes of, of Lost, they would probably say either, um, oh, uh, expose. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or they would say stranger in a strange land. Okay. That episode is a Jack-centric episode from early season three. It's season three, episode nine, Stranger in a Strange Land. It is, to me, it felt like the show's writers reacting to um, fan speculation. And it didn't land with me because I was not, I was not part or interested in this aspect of speculation. It is the backstory to why like what Jack's tattoos mean. Yeah. And it is the dumbest thing. Cause like it's, I don't, it, it's, it's silly to me. Cause like there's a throwaway line in season one where Jack and Kate are talking to each other and they have this quippy little back and forth, like this little repartee about, about his tattoos. And, uh, and then, 
uh, like they reference it and they say like, like, oh, I, I can't tell you what my tattoos mean or whatever. It's meant to be flirty and develop the, the kind of, uh, relationship or the, the, um, attraction between Jack and Kate. But then the internet went crazy with it and was like, what do the tattoos mean? <laughs> so they built an episode around what the tattoos mean and it's the dumbest thing. Yeah. So that's that. And then the other one is, uh, this is brief. It's season four, episode 10, something nice back home. Um, I don't remember much about the actual like overall episode, like the B story or anything, but this is an episode where Jack has appendicitis and needs an emergency operation on the Island. Um, this happened in season four after they had the, um, they, they basically, uh, had the last three seasons like locked and secured. So at the end of season three, the studio like ABC said, okay, let's set an end date. They sent the, set the end date. They gave them three more seasons, each shorter than previous seasons. So that each season had like 16, 17 episodes. Um, and yet what I still found frustrating was season four, even with those constraints and everything. And even with that, knowing the, knowing what the, map at the what where the map ended for the show um they still had this episode that felt like a a a filler episode to me and i didn't really like it um so yeah so what's your least favorite expose nice nobody gave a shit about nikki and paolo i yeah we were at this point we were like 60 episodes into the series Mm -hmm. third season midway through the third season and you just these two two characters get thrown in and we get back nobody cared it was a waste of 43 minutes on the island. I would have much preferred to follow something else. or I hated it. That's fair. It's pointless. I, I mean, it, while Stranger to Strange Land, yeah, that's not a good episode either. Mm-hmm. At least it's influencing a character and giving us backstory on a character. Sure. Sure. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And if I may, if I may defend it just a little bit. Um, you may not. Okay. No. Um. I I respect what they tried to do because what they tried to do was in early season three they int- like they introduced Nikki and Paolo as characters who've been there the whole time. Like it's kind like they they did some they did a flat in the flashback episode for them they did like a a thing where they basically made Nikki be one of the characters that are in the background of the episode of the pilot episode and. I respect that idea. That's a solid idea. In execution, it wasn't that great. Expose is this weird, like mystery thriller, like like a detective mystery. Which, in isolation, that episode alone, without the context of, and granted, I just gave crap to something nice back back home because I felt like it was a filler episode. But this as a standalone episode, I thought was compelling as the story of it was, I thought it was a fun mystery. Um, sure. It didn't need to be a full episode. It didn't need to be an episode of the show, but I mean, if it, if they had released it as like a little short story that was connected to the show, I mean, I probably would have liked it more, but I, I didn't have that many problems with it, but I totally understand people's hatred. for It, it. should have been, a, it should have been a webisode. Yeah. At yeah. Best. Yeah. I thought it was a lazy choice. I thought it was, mm-hmm. you talked to, you, talk, you talked about how they, you know, secured the last three seasons at this point. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was like a cocky decision. Sure. It was like, you know what? We got three more seasons. Let's just throw mm-hmm. in this random bullshit about these two random characters. That was before the, before that. So that doesn't, was it? Yeah. That was season three. I still feel like it was a cocky, cocky decision though. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was cocky for them to think like, okay, well, let's, let's, uh, let's go ahead and just create characters and 
plant them into the group of characters and make them be pivotal, not pivotal characters, but make them be main characters. And then I think they created the episode to kind of, uh, you know, backpedal that. Gotcha. Um, okay. So my, my representative episode, and I'll be quick because we've already talked about it. It is walkabout season one, episode four, the first lock centric episode. I think that this represents the show very well because it's like tiny, like you said, it is, it has a compelling flashback story. It's, at that time, you're kind of like you're four episodes in. You're kind of getting a feel for what the episode, what the show is, episode to episode, and it has a very compelling character. It has the flashback is very mysterious. Uh, that's not at the, at the forefront. It's not as mysterious. Like there isn't like this mystery surrounding it. It's just this. It's just this backstory that's that's giving further development to the ja- uh, the John Locke character, but by the end of it, you get a much better understanding of of why he is so so much the way that he is on the island, and it is it is just a gobsmack surprise for you, and it is the it is the introduction of his iconic line, uh, "Don't tell me what I can't do." Yeah. So, and it's it's just the start of a really one of the most satisfying uh, character character arcs in in of any of the tv shows i've seen nice yep what's your Uh, representative that's a perfect lead-in to my representative episode because of what happens to john on the island Mm -hmm. he becomes a man of faith much like the episode man of science man of faith nice which is the premiere to season two two. uh, which is my favorite season Mm -hmm. season two is my favorite nice um i feel like the hatch was the to me, the best mystery, quote unquote, of mm-hmm. the whole series. I w- I wanted to know so freaking bad what was in that freaking hatch. <laughs> and the end of, you know, Exodus Part 2, the finale mm-hmm. of the first season, I was like, no, I wanted to see what it was. I knew they weren't going to show us. <laughs> but I just wanted to know so bad, and I was just so curious. And they just wrote me in. Like, if mm-hmm. I was a fish, they would have had me cooked up and filleted in a couple <laughs> minutes. Like, I would just, they got me hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and, and so, like, to to see to finally go down that freaking hatch and see what's down there and they reveal it so slowly and they have the the flashbacks in there yeah man i just i loved the slow burn of this episode mm-hmm. um and and i feel like it's it doesn't set up but i feel like it exemplifies the conflict of science and faith that mm-hmm. that's, that's explored so extensively yeah. throughout the whole series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certain characters are fill those roles or the two, the two sides of, of that argument or that theme, that conflict, certain characters occupy different parts of that conflict at different parts in the series. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's set up so foundationally in the first season. And then, you know, they give it a name mm-hmm. with this premiere, and I just that's just one of my favorite parts of the series, and that's why I latch onto this this premiere of the second season what i what I loved about that is that it like everything you said, it is kind of going off of what you said it's it feels like season one was all about the mystery of of these characters all on this island and everything, and the John Locke character is this not quite antagonistic character, but it's very clear that they're developing it as Jack versus Locke yeah. throughout the first season. And then with man, man of science, man of faith, it feels like that took it to the next level to put them on even ground because you finally had like, 
you had this, you had a kind of like you had a vindication for Locke's, um, Locke's faith in the, in the Island and everything going on. And you finally had this thing where they're both on even ground. It's not as mysterious. Well, I mean, it's, it's fucking mysterious, but, um, (laughs) it's not like things are being put out in the open that it's, it's, it's more solidifying solidifying the conflict between the two characters that runs throughout the series. Yeah. Um it's just a beautiful episode and one of the best opening scenes of of this of a season. Yes. Um yeah, so we're running long. That's that's our list. That's yep. our that's our favorite TV shows. I do have one honorable mention. Okay. That I'm going to throw out here. It's going to be really brief. It's It's how I met your mother, guys. Uh, really? It is. It is. It is. And the reason that I say that is that okay, the worst episode is, for my ca- for my taste, it is season nine finale, the series finale, last forever, um, because it does it it's it's the opposite of the lost finale for me. It it ends it in a way that isn't that is that isn't ruinous for me because it isn't ruinous for me, but it does it didn't lead to the place that I that I not not that I wanted it to, to, or expected it to, but it isn't, it became a show that it wasn't the show that I was watching. Hmm. If that makes sense. Okay. So, but I'll just run through the best and representative episodes for, for me personally, best is season eight, episode 20, the time travelers, which I watched. And it is a freaking brilliant, brilliant episode. It's all about, uh, Ted's, it, the episode becomes about Ted's, um, realization that he's kind of alone when all of his friends are moving on and, and doing bigger things. Um, and it's funny cause I watched it, um, while making this list cause it was in contention for my, for my actual list. Um, and this was after we recorded the year in review episode where like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I, we talked about how you guys have, you and Mike have, have you know, th- you're moving on. I haven't really made that many strides yet, like in my life or anything. I'm comfortable where I am guys. I'm okay. <laughs> but it's like, this kind of hit me a little hard. Cause like, it, like the episode reaches a point where, where Ted kind of realizes like, okay, Barney and Barney is, well, character. I won't give it away for spoilers, but it kind of realizes like why he is he's alone, and it's just it's really interesting, and it kind of resonated with me. Uh, representative episode, season one, episode thirteen. Drum roll, please. It is a romantic comedy storyline in a in a half hour sitcom format. It is beautiful. It is everything that the show was at in its prime, and uh, it set the course for the series as a whole for me and uh it's great uh so even though the finale blew and uh real the last season really really uh wasn't uh to my to uh, satisfying to me um i would still put that as an honorable mention okay teach their own yep <laughs> um okay so that does it for this week's episode um if you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast please head over to itunes and leave a rating and review more reviews and ratings we get the easier it will be for people to find the show in itunes is search results in the highly competitive film and tv uh podcast uh category and if you want to so- show your support with your wallet i mean i know you guys are getting your tax returns soon you know yeah. you can click donate we actually did just get a donate a donation from uh pam schwent yeah I don't know if I should have said her last name. Uh, <laughs> mother of, of, of one of our friends from high school. Um, a very nice donation. Very, very 
very happy about that. Um, anyway, if you want to be like her and donate to the podcast, you can do that by clicking the donate button on obsessiveviewer.com for a one-time donation or by clicking the donate link in the show notes of this episode, which can be found at um, obsessiveviewer.com slash OV200. And you can be also become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer where you can choose from several different reward tiers like the guys at Horror Movie uh, Yearbook did and how our friend Mike, Matt and Draco uh, did. And any donation made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running so we can continue to provide you with our weekly podcast content which tiny next week 201 what are we doing we are probably going to talk about patriots day yes we yeah we are we're probably going to review patriots day (laughs) (laughs) if not we'll have something else uh yeah uh we'll we'll figure it out but likely patriots day yeah and uh yeah and that about does it for this week's episode thank you guys for listening for thank you guys for putting up with us for 200 episodes we're at 200 episodes 200 that is awesome looking forward to the next hundred and talking about our favorite youtube channels for episode three i don't know (laughs) i would totally be game for that i wouldn't know what to really put on (laughs) anyway uh thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time thanks guys thanks (laughs) because i think you said and then i was like what And then I think Ray came home and you were like, Ray, what do you call this? And he was like, channel selector. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh my God. It's so weird because like I never, like, I never questioned it growing up. It's just one of those things. Always just called it that. Right. And I've never once met another person who calls it a channel selector. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which I mean, technically, we weren't wrong. I mean, yeah, yeah. It does select channels, but. That's just what people called it in 1941. Right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer at obsessive tiny and at I am Mike white. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.